Ladies and gentlemen, you are now listening to the Finding Our Way podcast, the official podcast of the band Wayland, recorded once again from their home studio in Joshua Tree, California. Please give a Wayland warrior welcome to your hosts, Mitch Arnold and Philip Valensky. That's right. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome back to the Desert Studio. Oh, it is a hot one in Joshua Tree today. You're such a wuss. It's only 109. I know. You go down the hill, it's 120. <laughs> is it really? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know where you went, but yeah, it's 10 degrees. It's it's 10 degrees hotter oh in Palm gosh. Springs right now. When so. you walk outside of our house, it literally feels like a thousand hot air dryers. Yes. Or like you just crawled into an oven. Yeah. My girlfriend and I, Noemi, we stepped out of the car yesterday. We thought something was wrong with the car <laughs> because we thought the engine was putting off a ridiculous amount of heat. It wasn't. It was just 117. Oh, my at, God. 117 at like 630 at night. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I guess uh, I guess it's safe to say that we have moved to the Mojave Desert. Yes. Yes. What were we thinking? Well, I, I mean, last year at this time or around this time, you know, I think we were like, oh, it was totally worth it. And it still is. It is. It we, totally we love is. this place. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like. It's funny. It's it's when it's new. It's like, oh, who cares about the heat? Yeah. When you've been here, you're like, and you felt the the beautifulness of fall. You're like, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Fall it's and spring in the desert are very gorgeous. special. Yeah. Yeah. So we're spoiled with that. But um, you know, it's part of the pride of living here. I it think. is. If you, you know, can handle it. That's right. You get rewarded. Chan- you do get, you get rewarded, rewarded in October. In a great in a great way. Well, you get rewarded all year round year round because you're in this giant energy portal, which is amazing. Well, there's that. Yeah. <laughs> um, today on the podcast, a very special guest. Very, I mean, every guest has been special. That, that's true. But this has been a highly anticipated guest. You know, because honestly, none of the other guests would have happened without this guest. That's probably true. It's a guest of all guests. Yes, the guest of all guests. Can anybody guess? Can anyone guess who the guest is? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the Finding Our Way podcast, Alyssa Hoffman. <laughs> the guest welcome. of all guests. Hello. <laughs> Um, you're already not holding the microphone close to your face. Like, I'm holding it like very we talked close to about. my face. You're I doing listen. great. I'm, manage- great. I'm managing your mic technique. You're managing the manager? Yeah. I don't know if that's allowed. Um, for anybody listening that doesn't know, Alyssa manages the band Wayland. Um, wh- what does that mean? What does that mean to be a Because that's the question manager? that people have been asking. Like People on our, on our social media and stuff, um, when they see you with us as a manager... A lot of people think that you're a tour manager. That's right. I get that all the time. A lot of people time. think that you're a producer. A lot of people think that you're our agent. What does a manager mean? And how is that different than those other titles? So a manager, basically, when you look at it in the aspect of music, is I heard and saw this band that brought all of these feelings and ideas and... Uh, essentially big picture images of what could happen because of what the music did to me and what the music did in my life. And so managers are always looking big picture. So I see this band and I hear this music and I see what it did for me. And now I know that I have to make this happen 
for everybody else. And so essentially, I manage the music. So I figure out the way that I'm going to get all this music and these four members and everything they've ever done and everything they ever want to do in front of everybody else. And it's my job to make that happen. So That's a great way to put it. A tour manager, right? So they're managing aspects on tour and an agent is getting right. so, so, gigs. So a tour manager is someone that like... Like, our old bass player, Dean, used to be the tour manager for a while. Right, And then right. Our, our buddy Chris Nichols took over that, mm-hmm. that role. And that guy was... So the tour manager, like, plans the day schedule when you're on the road. On the road. Just on the road. So, okay, are we... What time's the bus getting to the venue? Are there showers? What time's the bus need to leave? What, what time is lunch? Are there a place to be able to go shopping before the venue? It's or every, shower, more importantly. Shower, more importantly. <laughs> shopping, if you're me. Ma- I did a lot of shopping that first tour when Dean was managing. Um, so that's a tour manager, and you don't do uh-huh. that. I don't do that. No. no. Um, and what? And so a lot of people think you're a producer. Do I you am know not. What that is? <laughs> I am not a producer in any lifetime. A producer handles the music. <laughs> yeah. Right. They make the sounds come to life. Yes. that We have in our they, heads. Uh, a good producer, which we have the best producer right now, <laughs> uh, listens to the band and finds out how to make that feeling come across. Recorded, yeah, yes. that's right. Brings out the best in the band, yes, musically, musically, sonically, yeah. Michael Gurley was our first producer yes. as a band. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Jude Cole has been a producer for this band. Mm-hmm. Justin uh, Reimer, Justin yeah. Reimer. You guys said that in harmony. Jinx, <laughs> Jinx Coke. Harmony. That's what producers work that's on right. too. Uh, yeah. Keith Nelson. We planned that. Keith Nelson. Yeah. Jesse James Kingston. We've had. We've got to work yeah. with a lot of great producers. Philip Valensky, most recently. Yeah, I produced a bunch of the the new record. So we'll see if that turns out all right. <laughs> I don't know. I I've heard it. It's awesome. <laughs> can't join the list yet. It's not it's the least. Awesome. <laughs> so, how? Where did you come from, and how did you get here? Oh my God, the million dollar question. Where I think did we, I come from? I think from? it's got to start with your parents. With Lisa and Matt. Yeah, it does. Because I can remember back in 2015. Um, probably about right around the time that Get a Little came out. Uh huh. I remember this lady and all of her kids uh-huh. being at the venue before us all the time. Yeah, like, like we waiting, would, like in yeah. the parking lot as we were pulling up, <laughs> jumping up and down, swinging yeah. their arms, holding signs. <laughs> yeah. We didn't know what they wanted, why they were there so early, if they were just left over from the show the night before. Um, and sometimes they were like some of the only people. In the audience that night, you yeah. know, on that first tour, they mm-hmm. were like the only people. Yeah, when yeah. First time we went down to the Carolinas, yes, I think. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so were you one of those jumping kids? I was not one of those <laughs> jumping kids. I am the oldest of six, and Lisa and Matt are my parents. And at that time, 2015, I was working for a Fortune 500 company. What were you doing there? Um, so like I worked working the fax machine. I was not working the fax machine. <laughs> I was working at Great Clips as um, a janitor. Not as a janitor, but <laughs> some days it felt like being Great a janitor. Great Clips. <laughs> yeah, at Great Clips. So Great Clips is actually one of the top ten hair salons in the world. I started when I was seventeen as a stylist, manager, general manager, all that kind of stuff, and then I eventually made my way to corporate. So I was what you called an education service specialist where Mondays I would fly out to my different territories. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday I would teach, and then Friday I would fly home. So from what I understand, from what you're saying, 
<laughs> Don't even say. Do not say oh it. My God. <laughs> you were in charge of the haircut of the week. No, I was not. I love that. Or was it of kid. the month? Of yeah, the month. Of the month. Philip has consistently said I give haircuts of the week. What I actually <laughs> was, I was hairstylist of the year and educator of the year for South Carolina. Thank you. Which meant that I came up with the trends for each of the years for each of the classes aka of the month. haircut of the week <laughs> and you would have and you would have to know these trends a year or two before they came out is that correct yeah so, so i worked did for you the- predict the nike swish Good night. <laughs> Good night. No, I did not. Okay. I worked for the, I was on the board and I worked for the Association of Cosmetology Salon Professionals. And so the year before we would have to put our lesson plans into the state and I would have to essentially predict what these trends were going to be to teach three, four, five, six hundred hairstylists. So wait a minute. And you if are you're a- wrong, you're in trouble. Yeah. So you are a haircut psychic. Yeah, pretty. That is the best description. That's the best description that you've, that you've ever so used. That's, that is it's, right. It's better than haircut of the week. Yeah. <laughs> a haircut psychic. Okay. Okay. So haircut medium. What haircut am I going to have in a year? Exactly. Tell me now. The yeah. same one I give you every three weeks. <laughs> so, so you're out. Not giving the haircut of the month. So I'm out give yes, I'm out giving the trend haircut. You're but doing that. Doing that. And and what? Your your parents find the band Waylon somehow. Yeah. So my parents are uh Equally uh, rock and roll groupies. I don't know which one. They is worse. they are major rock and roll supporters. Major, yeah, exactly. major. So it doesn't matter if it's if it's Hinder, if it's Jackal, if it's a pop band, if it's Selena Gomez, it's Justin Bieber. They're there consistently, and so. I believe it was, uh, if they're probably going to get mad if I get this wrong, I think it was the rabbit hole in North Carolina. I think you might have been there with Jackal. I think that was no, one of the first times. No, no, no. I think, I think it was like maybe Amos's. Something, oh, something Amos. Bigger. That's where they yes. always saw Hinder. Yeah. It, pro- yeah. it has to be Amos Southend. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Told you. I would get in trouble for getting that wrong. But at that point in my life, I was not paying attention to where Matt, Lisa, and my five brothers and sisters were going because I was trying to, you know, be this. 20-something-year-old that thought she knew everything on Earth, and I was too cool to hang out with my parents. So they were traveling around. As are most 20-something-year-olds. Absolutely. But it it didn't seem like a big deal. It seemed like, oh, they're going to concerts. That's what they always do. Until I'd start coming home, and there would be Wayland Christmas ornaments and Wayland airbrushed pumpkins for Halloween and Wayland custom top and bottom sweatsuits and I had no idea why so what you're saying they have all around great taste <laughs> yeah, I guess and fashion decoration A better taste than me music. I guess yeah okay. exactly okay and right. it, you made that clear yeah and it became pretty interesting because they didn't just go North Carolina South Carolina like they did for these other bands it was they're traveling to the intersection to Michigan and staying in the freezing cold and waiting on line for 10 hours and calling me hanging up on me pissed off I wasn't in line with them that they were embarrassed that I would not go with them as a whole family. And I, to this day, at that time, to that day, had never heard a Wayland song. So I'm just like, what in the well, hell are you guys doing? You must have been living under doing? a rock. Yeah. Under I mean, a rock. Gosh. Most of them, yeah. We were out there sweeping the nation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Were you even listening to music at the time? Probably not. No, probably not. I was teaching and traveling and acting like an adult, whatever that means. And so what was the moment that you, I don't know, opened your ears to this, uh, to the heavenly sounds of Wayland. To the heavenly sounds. Well, the story gets even better. So they're traveling across the country over and over and over again to see Wayland, and it would never align. So I'd come home to see them. They would be in Tennessee seeing you guys. I'd come home to see them. They'd be in Michigan seeing you guys. And so 
Um, I was exiting a 10-year relationship. I was breaking an engagement. It was my mom's birthday. I said, Mom, I don't want to talk about it. All this stuff is going on. It's your day. What do you want to do? She said, I want to drive six and a half hours and go see Wayland. So I said, get in the damn car. The logical thing to do. Let's go. Makes sense to me. And we drove to North Carolina to go to a Waylon show. Wow. Yeah. And what'd you think? Were you like, I'm going to manage them someday? Screw the haircut of the week? (laughs) No. (laughs) No. So I went. It was me and my youngest sister, Megan. And I was... um, frequenting the bar that evening consistently and well you were trying to numb some feelings numb some feelings and dancing with Megan and then I figured out where get a little drunk get a little stoned and her vocabulary at 16 came from and we danced Uh, and we loved it (laughs) and we had a great time I thought the band was great live it made complete sense but it was still interesting to me why my parents were spending thousands of dollars when my family has never taken a vacation except to see Wayland in my entire life. Um, until we were, during that show, Mitch was shouting out to my mom, singing her happy birthday, calling my sister by name. Everybody on stage was communicating with my entire, you know, my mom, my sister, consistently and that's when it started to click and say oh wait this is more than just a rock band you know it, for us on the road when you start to see people that come out regularly you and, and have that supportive eyes as you're playing like and you're in a place like I, I think actually one of the first places you maybe came or maybe the second night you came out was um what's that place it's like the wizard the wizard, the wizard so like, and hickory. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So I'm just gonna say it. Yeah, it's you're not happy to show up there as a no. band, right? Like that place sucks. It's a rough place. It's rough. It Are you supposed to like, say that from your manager? What What do you mean? Is that very nice to say about a venue? It's not that nice to say about a venue, but I'm, they don't put a lot of care into it no. anyway. They have to know that. And I guarantee they're not listening to this. It's <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's it smells like cigarette smoke since the 1960s, it does. It and does. it just. It's like just a it's, hole. It, you know what? And to put it in perspective, it's kind of a rite of passage. It is. If That's a good way. It is, but you're not happy to be no, there. No, you're not. <laughs> After, you know, when you're touring for that long, you know, and you're doing dates every night, it's just like one of those things, you know, but... Um, and you always play it like either before or after like a great venue like the Blind right, Tiger in Greensboro right. yeah, or yeah. Amos's or you're, you're like on this little run and then you see the wizard pop up and you're like, <laughs> oh my God, are yeah. you kidding me? Load the gear uphill both ways <laughs> into a, onto a little stage with yeah. the powers all like sparking. Our amps are blowing up. Um, it does pack in with great people, but um, it's just anyway. All I'm saying is in those scenarios um, with you know, and the the food's all fried. It doesn't make you feel that good. And anyway, you're there and you see someone like your mom right. in the audience who's been to every show that week right. and is mm-hmm. rooting for you. Yeah. It, it re- reminds you why you're there. Right. It reminds you that you're there to put on a show for these people that, that want to hear it. And, then and you, you do. You yeah. put on the show just for them. If and anyone then, from The Wizard is listening... We love you. Thank you for the opportunity. I'm not that sorry. I'm just going <laughs> to... No, we love you. Thank you. I, I also have to say, you know, even in the other shows, for those, those fans and, and the Warriors that come out, all the time, they are anchors in the show. Right. So even if ten thousand people, um, oh yeah, we see playing, those people. You're playing for Lisa. You know, you're playing for Rick Edwards. You're playing for Brian Kellen. You're playing for those people that come out all the time, and you're you're you you really lean on them in in the show. Um, and and I think that's it's it's a testament to all those people that come out. 
night after night after night. Oh, it means so much. To yeah. The fans. Yeah. So we got to know you a little bit over the, over those two days that you were out there with your mom. Yeah. Um, and because of your mom, uh, you stayed in touch with the band and ended up offering to come out and help us out for two weeks when we needed a merch person. Yeah. Uh-huh. What, you- what gave, what gave you that idea? Um, well, it was very random. I think it was after the wizard and I think, uh, we did after the- you, we play the wizard. You're like, these guys seriously need some help. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, but yes, but after you played the wizard and you guys were so interactive with the crowd and stayed and shook everybody's hand. And that was the part that made me see what, what they saw, like beyond the music being great, beyond the live set being what they had told me it was. It was really that, that sparked an interest. And so um, one thing led to another. I ended up on the after party on the bus. You guys were offering VIP at that time. Uh, very random Mitch and Phil cocktails were being passed around and laughing jokingly came up that you guys were looking for a merch person. Mm-hmm. And I just happened to have two weeks vacation coming up That's right. since I had never gone to college. I was in that super long relationship. I had never really done that. Hey, let's go out and do the college party thing. Um, Two weeks on a rock and roll bus sounded like every every girl's fantasy. So, and I gotta say, you came out and you sold more merch than anybody that we had ever had. Yeah, merch. that first night we were like, "Holy!" Cow, and you were selling man. merch to. I, I remember rooms that didn't have a lot of people in them. Yeah, and we were and, breaking records. Yes, breaking our, records. Our, mer- our merch records in like with no one there. Yeah. And so that meant the world to us, obviously. Yeah, yeah. That was that was a big. A big deal coming out, realizing and seeing, um, hey, merch is what helps us stay alive. And then realizing there's 50 or 70 or 100 people. Okay, what do I have to do to make sure that we triple that number so we can get to the next place? That became a mission um, and a really goal thing for me. And so you went back to work after that. Uh-huh. And then what? The wheels started turning saying, how can I help? Is that- well, in- instantly I went back to Great Clips, which was a phenomenal company. I made relationships I will love for the rest of my life. I loved that job. And while I was there. You're still in felt- touch with a lot of people, Still right? majorly yeah. in touch. And, still f- and at that time I felt like I was going to retire there. Like I yeah. was on the fast track. Let's climb this ladder. Um, but the second I got back, I was like, oh, my God. Why do I feel like I want to go back and live on a bus and not shower for three days at a time and sell merch for less than minimum wage? Like, why is my heart there and not in this? Ah, the dream. The dream. The dream. It was the dream. And so um, I stayed in touch with with everybody, and I started noticing certain things on social media or branding or website stuff that I was offering to help with strictly from a friendship level and wanting to see you guys win was really what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but you started, like... Because you didn't really have much social media experience, but you started getting really serious about... Yeah. Uh, didn't you take some classes or something? Yeah. So so everything about, you know, with Great Clips, I was teaching branding. So that was like, oh, I was in that 24 hours a day. Branding, branding. You're the brand. You're the brand. And so social media at that time and Instagram was like really blowing up and like mm-hmm. taking over from Facebook and YouTube and that kind of stuff. I think that was the first, like around the first time we had heard the term algorithm. Yeah, probably. Yeah, that was happening. And so at that point, I remember us getting on that. We were on the tour with Hinder and yeah. Josh Todd from Buck Cherry. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and you started taking your time off to come meet the band to get like a, you'd come up for like a day yeah. and take a hundred pictures 
and then brand them. And all of a sudden our social media looked like really nice. Like everybody. Yeah, so, so you guys, at that point, my territory was like kind of like the Southeast. So I was traveling from Tennessee, North Carolina, all the markets that you guys just so happened to be touring in, which, you know, was d divine alignment because you guys typically didn't tour that much in the South. So you'd be two hours away from me. So I'd leave on a Friday night, come see you Saturday, Sunday. And then I would just drive back to go to work Monday. Um, and I started really playing with it and seeing like, why do they respond to this, but not that? How can I get more views on a picture, but not on a video? And it kind of started becoming this like, you know, obsession, I guess. Like I am a very obsessed person. You guys know that <laughs> as you live with me. I learn about something. I become obsessed with it for six months until I get obsessed with something else. And so I dove in face first and was spending all my time and all my money on taking classes and really learning how to brand a band. Mm -hmm. I thought of it as like a really big challenge. It's really easy, I think, to brand a business, but to brand four very different human beings that all have the same goal. I don't want to use the word job, but it's a band. So there's four different people, but there's only one band. So how do you show all the facets of that and make it communicate not only to the people that already love you, but how do you get people that are just listening to you to become fans? So the conversion from listener to fan mm -hmm. and follower if you're talking about Instagram. And that's stuff that Mitch and I don't like to spend our time studying. Yeah, I can't you know? imagine. I mean, I lost you about halfway through that. I just started zoning out. Like, Should I change my guitar strings today? Yeah. <laughs> um, as time time went on, it's funny how things play out. So yeah. you, you started, I, I think, I, I can't quite remember the order of it all, but I do know that around... Right, there was like a lot happened in a short amount of time. Yeah, very where quickly. Where we separated from our previous manager uh -huh. and label. Uh huh. Um, I went through a divorce. Uh huh. Dean exited the road. Uh huh. And the band. And I don't really remember the moment that you that you became the manager or we asked you to be I, well i do and it was not on purpose it no, was complete it was you tell the story but i i think that i remember this actually yeah so i came on the road in what was a really interesting time because i was seeing all these different things with your business and through all those separations with management and label and i was noticing a lot could be done I was very vocal at great clips about how much I wanted to be on the road with you and not work for them. And my bosses talked to me and literally were like, Hey, like, you know, you're a great employee if this is what you want to do. And you know, you want to come back. And I had told them like, oh, this is an cool. offer. Yeah. Like this is an offer I can't refuse. Um, and so I think at the time I was 28, I wasn't married. I had no kids. I was single. So I was like, you know, if I do this for a year and I fail, like at least I did it and uh, I can come have back you to my job. married or had kids since? Not that I know of. Okay. I, ho I hope not. <laughs> <Just checking. laughs> not that I know of, but I wanted to take advantage of that. And so I knew I could always go back to my corporate like safety net. I knew I would never have well, an opportunity nice. like this again. I wonder what it's like to have a backup plan. Yeah. Man, yeah. my mom has always wanted me to have a backup <laughs> plan. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> must be but, nice. <laughs> yeah. But we came on the road and all that stuff started happening. Like the very first weeks that I was out. So I was like, holy shit. What did I just walk into? Like yeah, yeah. all of this is happening. The just second so you know, I got on the had, bus. It had all been, uh, rupturing for a while. Right. But, you know. So so we got on and all these things were changing and, and it was okay because we still had this solid foundation between all three of us and everybody else that was with what us. What's funny is some of our some of our closest Wayland warriors 
would write some hurtful stuff during that time about you on social media. Do you remember that? Uh, oh, I don't forget that. Yeah, I do. How did that make that. you feel? Um, you know, I understand it. My mother and my father are two of the biggest groupies you have ever met. And I have watched them go toe to toe with some band people online and other fans. And oh, so I you, see so you, how I see the the passion and I see how it fires them up. And so I give a lot of grace through that. It hurt. It sucked because I knew it had nothing to do with me. Right. But I also get it. Like to, to some people, to people like my parents and my brothers and sisters, music is all they have. And you guys are godlike figures. You're bigger than life. You are the only hope that they have. So if it is going to make somebody feel better to put the blame on me and they're still going to spin a record, go for it. I will extend you that grace. And then when you extend me that grace, when you actually meet me in person and see what I've done, all is forgiven. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, but, it was I a mean, very it, painful time. It, 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 it's hard because it, it does come from a place of just loving the band so right. much. They're actually... It, it's heartbreaking when it changes or when it moves. Right. And it's hard to remember that because I, re I remember being very upset about some of the things that were being said about you, about people that were on the road with us. And it was, it, that was difficult. But in hindsight, you see, it was just because they love the band so much. Right. And so that's why it's easy to forgive. Like when you're in it in the moment, it's like, oh my God, like I'm the most hated person in the room right now. Like, should I just exit stage left? Like I haven't even done anything yet. Like, let me go back to my haircut of the week. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Ah, uh, gotcha. It was but, a haircut Because, <laughs> well, you know, I would go teach rooms when I was doing continuing ed classes. There'd be 600 girls that would tell me how much they loved me and I changed their life. And here I gave that up to be told how I'm this demonic force that ruined a band. It was like, what the hell did I walk into? <laughs> right. But I, I understood it because of the background that I came from. Mm -hmm. And so to answer your question, all this stuff was moving around and we had booked a trip to L.A. Um, and that trip to L.A., I was getting all this social media footage. And because I started Mitch and I had songwriting sessions, right? Yeah. Yes. So yep. you guys were doing songwriting and I started booking all of these opportunities to reach out to different charities. Cause at that time you guys just came off of rinse and repeat and that release where you worked with a lot of the veterans and we were looking for something for this next release and they wouldn't take a meeting with somebody that wasn't your manager. And so the three of us sat down, I think at like a over coffee or waffles or something. Mm -hmm. It was like some breakfast nook in LA. And I said, okay, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to go in. I'm going to say I'm your manager. I'm going to bring you guys back this information because it's an opportunity we can't pass up. And it just kind of, from that day, I think it was like May 18th, maybe and, 2018. And around that time, you also met with a very famous female manager. Yes, uh-huh, that same trip. Which must have been an inspiring conversation for you. Yeah, so we had I had to do the phony manager meeting for that day just to be a step in. Um, and then a really wonderful friend of mine, Jacob, knew that I was this super huge Guns N' Roses fan and said, well, if you're pretending to you know, meet managers like, and, and that's something that you're into, um, you know, we can meet someone for breakfast if you're into it. And we went down to this famous breakfast shop. Do you remember what it's Cafe called? Cafe 101. Cafe 101. I think it might have closed during the pandemic. Yeah, I think it did. I, I think it did. And there's yeah. been a bunch of movies shot there. Yep. It's, yeah. Uh, it's right by the Hollywood Towers there, if, if anyone knows Hollywood, on Franklin. Yeah. Uh -huh. It's a famous little diner in the hotel. Yeah, and Jacob and I sat down, and he had our coffee, and I ordered tea, and then in walked Vicky, the original manager for Guns N' Roses. What was, what was that like? That was, well, such a moment for me because anybody that knows me knows that I pretend to be as big as an 80s groupie as my parents. They graduated in 85, but I live vicariously through them. 
And I will pick Guns N' Roses and Poison over anybody any day except Wayland. And um, when she came in and we sat there and she told me her story about managing bands and what it was like. And then she asked me why I quit my job and why I would work for Wayland and what I would do if I was manager. And I sat and told her. She looked at me across the table and said, well, then what the hell are you talking to me for? Go manage the band. And that was probably one of the pivotal points in my career. Thank you, Jacob. And she's just one of the kind of famous mentors that you've had. Yeah, I mean, it's so crazy that I have collected famous (laughs) rock and roll managers as friends, but I... I have. I've Vicky, um, Doc McGee of Kiss and Bon Jovi. I met yeah. him on the Kiss Cruise. He's a great friend. Chief Zarouk, Nickelback of Florida Georgia yeah. Line. He's on Speed it, Dial. I mean, I've been so blessed to. It, how do you think? Why do you think that happened? Like that this girl wouldn't, what people might say, had no experience. Right. All of a sudden was connected and, and where you were getting doors opened by these these people that had right. years of experience. Why do you think they gave you the time of day or? Well, I don't, th- I think it's because I had no experience. I think it's because like, I was this not. poor bastard. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, you know, I wasn't afraid. So I was not afraid to walk up to them. I wasn't afraid. You know, the music industry is very political, which blows my mind because music should be the, the unifying force. And instead it is very political and it's very divisive. And so with these people, you know, like I'm on the Kiss Cruise and here's Doc McGee standing behind the stage for Kiss and I'm being told you're not allowed to go back there. Well, what did I do? I went back there. Well, you're not allowed to talk to Doc. Well, what did I do? I walked up and I talked to Doc. Like he's a person just like I was, you know? And so going up to them and having no no real background to say, oh, you're not supposed to call this person. I would just pick up the phone and call them direct. And when they'd say, are you supposed to be calling me? Well, I guess I am. So that's okay. And I think that they admired, you know, that little bit of grit I had, you know, the New Jersey comes out of me. It sounds also like- you're well-spoken and very intelligent. Well, you know, uh, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> <laughs> I think that it's a, it's a culmination of things. I think that it's the fact that I was very honest with what I was requesting. I was very direct with what I wanted. It wasn't like, hey, let me pick your brain or hey, can you give me money or hey, can you manage my band? It was like, look, I quit my job, sold my possessions, came on the road and I am going to manage this rock band. I am going to be the female Peter Grant. This is what I need from you. Can you help me? And every time the answer was yes. So would you say that you have no fear? I think fearless would oh, be would be the it? correct would be a good the correct name for a term. company. <laughs> um, I've got a few questions here, if you wouldn't mind. Um, okay. Uh, sent in by um, an anonymous, another podcast guest, actually, someone that has been on. On the, but they they wish to be um, Re- remain anonymous. Yeah, they don't anonymous. Anonymous. What is the what's the first thing that you tackle in the day? The first thing I, I tackle I, in the day. I could answer that for you. What is it? I think your first major challenge is. Waking up? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. The the hardest part of my day is opening my eyes. We get up early because it's so hot out here. We have to walk the dog early. Yeah, it's like if you don't walk Charlie by 6 o'clock, it's literally too hot to walk him by 6.15. The hardest part of tackling my day is waking up, guys. I'm not going to lie. But you are super hardcore when it comes to like discipline with working out. Yeah. Is that easy for you? No. It's not easy for you. No, not at all. I um, mean, you every day. Yeah. 
No. Um, you know, I was very lucky my whole life. I was very blessed. I never had to work out. I never had to do anything. But I was also very active. So I stayed 100 pounds soaking wet. And then what happens is you go on a rock and roll tour bus where at the time I was not eating meat. So you go to these venues where the only thing on the menu that they're feeding you that is meatless or vegan is mozzarella sticks, which isn't even vegan, <laughs> French or fries. French fries. Yeah. So then, yeah, and you're also not uh, working out. You're not moving. I would work from our bunk a right. lot of the times. And so you come off the bus after that year and a half run and you're like, holy shit, I gained 15 pounds for the first time in my life. And so I decided that was never going to happen again. So I started waking up and really dedicating the time to my body, which then I realized was so much more mental than physical. Now I tell everybody that if I don't work out, I would be a much worse person. Hmm. It's literally part of my my mood suppression, I believe, my mood um, stabilizer, if you will. But So I do bar or Pilates or any combination of the two. It's not easy. Most of the time I don't want to do it, but 100% of the time I never regret it. So hmm. now this, this is an interesting question that got sent in. How does she stay organized on... And on schedule, do you use whiteboards, calendars, Google Docs, or something else? Oh my God, let's talk about it. You use all, all, of, the all above. of the above. I was going to say, I, I, everything all over the house. So literally, sticky notes everywhere. Yes. Sticky Giant notes everywhere. Sticky notes. We have multiple calendars on our on our emails that I've never <laughs> looked at. Such big <laughs> sticky notes. The sticky notes are literally probably like twelve by twelve. They're huge. I have a chalkboard wall that you both installed, I think, in my mm. office. Paper calendars, digital calendars. This app called Note Plan that has saved my life. We have so much stuff that goes on in different time zones. So it's like East Coast, West Coast, international. So I'm both. Like I'm not the person that can just use paper and I'm not the person that could just use the computer. I have to write it down first and then I have to put it digitally. So, I mean, the answer is everything. Wow. Okay. There's a lot of people to keep up with in a band. Sure, sure. Uh, next question that got sent in. How long do you spend on email and do you only do it once a day or throughout the day? Constantly. Constantly. Yeah. I have my, I so have, you, I have you zero You do email inbox. everybody that emails. You respond to every email, right? To every single person. And I have what they call. So whether that be a, a, someone writing about, hey, where can I get a shirt? Or, hey, can I hire the band for this gig? Yeah. Or a business thing, right? You respond to everybody. Everything. I respond to complaints. I respond to fan mail. I respond to anything that gets sent to my inbox. And I use what's called Inbox Zero. So I go through my emails and I respond to them immediately and then I archive them. So my inbox looks like I have zero in it at the end of the day, unless I'm still working in it. So when I have things I'm working in and I have emails, it drives me absolutely insane. Okay. So like me, I have like 8,000 emails. Yes, unread. Oh God. That drives inbox. me to drink when I look at your phone. Yeah. <laughs> I cannot have, I'm that person that cannot have a notification on my phone. I got emails from like Jesse Dupree from I 2013. Know. I'm the same way, man. <laughs> no, I no. start cleaning it out and then I just get tired of clean like, so then I stop no I'm like I don't, I've got 4,500 emails in this thing I think Google charges me like two bucks a year to, to keep them all they do I had to get like an extension I don't, like 0.2 gigabytes or something some like of them are from like stupid apps I signed up for one time five years ago and they sent me a bunch of emails so that's still in there you unsubscribe to them you have to unsubscribe yeah I need I need like like someone to manage that not signing up for that job <laughs> so what what so as a manager that's a great question. Is what, how far does that go? Like you manage the band, but how how far does that go into the lives of the members? I manage everything, and when I say everything, I mean there's no such thing as 
separating business from personal, especially in music. Like well, everybody can- I know that for sure. Like everybody can lie, you know, like even when I worked corporate, like, oh, don't bring your business through the door. You're a human being. You're going to bring your emotions and your feelings and all that stuff through the door, right? That's always going to happen. And so we have a band, we have this entity called Wayland, and we have to do everything for the highest and best good of that. But then you have four human beings. Like these aren't robots that are playing music. These are four people with four lives. Uh, you know, we have two band members now that have children. Like we have so many things that are moving parts. And so I manage everything. I manage schedules. I manage mental health. I manage what are we doing next week? I manage sessions. I manage, let's organize this. Like everything is about how can I make your life the most manageable so you can make the best music possible. Doesn't mean you're always going to be in a good mood because sometimes from those negative emotions comes the best music possible. We're going to learn to manage all of that accurately. I'm not going to do things for you. Um, as far as that goes, because that doesn't give you the resiliency you need to be in a very successful rock band. But it comes down to making sure that your life is manageable. I call it like jokingly keeping tabs. Like I have to separate your talent and the best parts of you from your bullshit. And that's myself I have well, to do that for. Well, of course, Mitch and I don't have any bullshit. But we if, if we did, well, if we did don't have any you're probably talking about Haas and Joey. Well, okay. I am mostly talking about myself because if I'm not clear, I cannot be clear for the four of you. Um, and then I'm talking about the four of you. Then I'm talking about Noemi. Then I'm talking about the producer. Then I'm talking about the tour manager. Then I'm talking about the crew. It's everybody. But it starts from me because if I'm not in a, in a good place where I'm focusing on being the clearest channel I can be for all of you, then I'm not able to manage your stuff because I'm too busy getting stuck in my own. Okay. That that pretty much answered that question. Great question. Yeah. Great, great answer. Oh, thanks. Pretty, pretty much. Yeah, I think you pretty much answered that one. Thanks. Um, so what's, uh, you know, now that there's a band and now that there's tour dates and now that there's 14 songs recorded, mixed mm -hmm. and mastered, what, what's your daily like? What are you doing right now? What are you managing? I don't think I can answer that question. You can't? You're managing uh, some secret stuff. I'm managing some very secret stuff. That's that's another big part of my job is keeping secrets from you guys <laughs> so you don't tell people on the podcast <laughs> or the fans what we're doing. No, um, I can tell you this. What we are doing um, is we are gearing up for the biggest release of our lives. Um, to well, date. To date. Uh, so far, because there's going to be a lot bigger releases that come after this. Uh, what I can say is that I am going to do what I said I was going to do, which is get you guys in front of the audiences that you have so deserved. Um, and Wayland is going to show the way to a lot more people than I think anybody has ever expected or dreamed of. And that's all I'm going to say about that. That's Great beautiful. answer. Great beautiful. answer. Um, I, the, the only thing that we haven't talked about is kind of how, how you are in our lives as, like, yes, you're our manager, but you're also my girlfriend and our Ooh, roommate. Oh, yeah. We all, we've all lived together. Uh, when the band came off the road and the pandemic happened, we were, the three of us were in a camper in Los Angeles uh -huh. together for a year. For a year. Yeah. That's a very hard time. Yeah. Very hard time. Um, and you and I obviously have been together through that. Uh -huh. And then we all moved to the desert here. Mm -hmm. um, how do you think that that... Is different. Well, Mitch, how, I mean, for you, what's it like to have a manager that's living with you versus uh, a manager that we talk to on the phone every couple of days? Um, I would say all positive, all positive. It is incredible to live with someone um, that is 
inside of your business so deep. I'll go on and say it's still positive, but she keeps me accountable every single minute of the day, knowing that the people that are working hardest for your band are literally three feet away from you around the corner and you can hear the work happening. It is a fire under, under your ass every single day to know that you don't have the time to sit and worry and sit in your own garbage. It is time to move. And she is constantly showing the way in that movement, you know? So it, it's amazing. It, it's incredible. It's, it's interesting. I mean, you and I, I think since we met, we've, we have um, pushed each other to grow. Absolutely. On, on all levels. Yeah. And then we really found out once we were on, in a van and on a bus with a group of friends traveling, you know, doing what we do, that pushes everybody to grow. Because yes. there's nowhere to hide your crap. And so it's kind of like we are always on tour because we're always here with each other. If you and I haven't practiced at shows, if... I mean, which we do, but I mean, like whatever no, it is, right. I mean, it's no, just, it's it's all it's all relative. So yeah. and I mean, no one wants to let anybody down. Exactly, right. we so we hold ourselves to quite a high standard of excellence, right? Mm-hmm. And when it is not there, that harmony isn't right. If the bend in that guitar part isn't exactly correct, well, you know that's what I mean? never happened. <laughs> well, for me, it has. <laughs> no, for kidding. me, it has. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like we both know each other so well. If you just take the musical aspect, if you are watching me do something, you can tell if I've worked on that or if I just picked it up that day. Mm-hmm. You know that, and so I feel like there's there's kind of a checks and balances system in a positive in a positive aspect. Absolutely. You know, that where where we're holding each other's feet to the fire in a way. But I can't say enough. It's all positive. 100%. I feel like there's a lot of things in business that, um, you know, you use that fire for something negative or to hold something over someone's head. And there's just mm. none of that in this group. We love together. We fight together. We live together. We eat together. And there's a lot of growth that happens in any sort of relationship. I think that exists with that type of intensity and sure. intensity is where, what I would say it is. Yeah, sure. And for Alyssa, how do you, how has it been? Like what, if someone were to say that you were going to be in a relationship with someone you also work with, what's that like? I mean, if you were, I don't, is it different than what you might've expected? I mean, cause you, you know, in my experience, you and I wake up talking about the band and we fall asleep talking about the band Yeah. and we go on dates to talk about the band uh-huh. and we walk our dog and talk about the band. Mm-hmm. I mean, how, how do you feel about that? What's, you know, I think that... We've if, tried to separate it, and it doesn't really work. <laughs> no, I think... The funny part is, is that in the very beginning, when we... Th- I think we thought we were supposed to separate it. And yeah. I, I think, like... Oh, we're going to go out to dinner, and we're not going to talk about the band Yeah, tonight. like, I think that's the expectation. Like, if we're only talking about work, like, we don't have anything else in common. Or, you know, it's like this weird stigma that you're supposed to have things separate. However, um... I don't think that there is anybody else alive that has, and I, I dare to say that, that has a relationship as close as, as we do because we have this common goal and everything that we do is about building this life together and building this band together. And not only do we have that common goal as a couple, but then 
our collective best friend in Mitch has the same goal. So our friends are supportive of that goal. We don't have like Mitch over here telling you that you should be working on something outside of me or vice versa. Everything that we do is toward the exact same thing. So within our intimate relationship, within our personal friendships, um, everything is about building the best possible life that is going to support all of us in every facet. Um, and with that, our relationship grows closer, our friendships with each other grow closer. Um, and it just brings out truly the best in all of us. Like there are times when, you know, all we've done is talk about the band all day, every second. And you'll say, okay, it's time to go to bed. Let's stop talking. And I don't want to stop talking because I'm still so excited about what we're building together. You do a lot of talking. I mostly (laughs) do a lot of talking and that's going to be how it remains. (laughs) Uh, there's one more question, um, and we're going to wrap this up. Yeah, my uh, manager said, I got to cut this said, off. Okay, yeah, great. There's a lot of stuff she needs us to do. Okay, thanks. Uh, what is your favorite pizza? My favorite pizza. Okay. So, if we're in New Jersey, oh. it's a Wait pizza. Wait a minute. Are you Italian? Italian from New Jersey. Oh, okay. Don't get it twisted. I wasn't sure if you were Italian. <laughs> Italian. Completely Italian. <laughs> I'm part Irish, but I claim the Italian part mostly. But if we're in New Jersey... Spinach, whole tomato slices, and ricotta cheese. If I'm anywhere else in the country, because they don't make it the same, pineapple. What, just pineapple? Pineapple, mostly, yeah. We get pepperoni and pineapple, but if I'm choosing myself, pineapple. A lot of pineapple. So if we're on the road and you don't know of a, of a local place, let's uh-huh. say you're in Omaha, Nebraska, <laughs> and you want some pizza, what do you do? I usually say, Phil, I want some pizza, and ask you to order it. What kind of crust? Oh, Pizza Hut pizza? I mean, we usually go Pizza Hut. Stuffed crust. Well, yeah. if there's not good pizza. Yeah, I mean, you can't, sometimes you can't risk it with a small, if, if you don't know what they do. Yeah, no, no, we know. get stuffed if crust. You just want a standard, pizza. yeah, okay. Yeah, we get stuffed crust. Stuffed crust, pepperoni, pineapple. Pepperoni, pineapple. Yeah. Uh, You're beating around the bush there. I think we both know the answer. I, that's not my favorite. It's my favorite in Joshua Tree yeah. where there's no pizza places. Right, okay. That's true. You're getting technical. Well, I mean, it was a question that was asked sent by a listener. I didn't want them to leave confused. <laughs> Mitch, you're not a big pineapple on pizza guy, are you? No, I'm not. Oh, no. it's my favorite. No. Wow. Yeah, I'm uh, with the pizza thing. I'm I'm I'm, a, I'm kind of a simple. I don't know. <laughs> you're I mean, simple Jack. Simple Jack. Yeah, yeah. As I've sang before, <laughs> but um, yeah. I mean, I I will eat it. One thing that makes me mad about pepperoni on on or excuse me, uh, pineapple on pizza. Like when you bite into it, it's usually hotter than the pizza. Oh yeah, he's so yeah. Like, Oh my yeah. gosh, it's. I mean, so in a perfect hot. world, it does need to be added on toward the end. I, I don't think. know what it is, mm. but I just prefer other toppings. I'll eat it, but okay. Well, yeah. I'm not mad at you. No, <laughs> I appreciate you. Not no, we judging haven't me. had pizza in a while. I am kind of craving it, honestly. I'm just gonna throw that out. You're there. always been, craving. We've pizza. been going to the gym every day, and I'm I'm at like a week now. I've been going almost every day. We left the gym last night. He said, "Okay, do you want to get Chinese food?" I said, absolutely but then not. Then went and got then in an out burger. I said, so. Dude, but for the record, just I was just me, craving some just, junk. We, we, didn't, we didn't have any buns. We threw, you know, all, like, I was but eating But you had a keto. big soda there, I saw. Was it a milkshake? What was no, in your huh? hand? No, no, that was, that was, that was like watery lemonade. Oh, that was like health Sugar water? free, yeah. Okay. Did you yeah. get fries? Yeah, I did. They got fries. I'm allowed to. I'm allowed to. My girlfriend is going keto, so she can't have it. Okay. I, I allow myself. Well, we've been eating. Re- we've been eating nothing but pork chops and broccoli for like a week, two weeks maybe. And salad and smoothies. Yeah, I guess and sushi so. today. We treated ourselves, but it was health sushi. Well, we got grocery store sushi. It's yeah. not really, but it's it's 109. So I just wanted something cold. cold. Yeah, you can't cook in the kitchen. I it's only so want to eat like yogurt and cereal and cold stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Oh my gosh. All right. Well, ice cream. Cold pizza. Cold Come pizza. on. We order a pizza, stick in the fridge, eat it tomorrow. Great. <laughs> Uh, well, thank you so much for being a guest on, on the Finding Our Way podcast. And you have definitely been a major part of uh, helping Us these two knuckleheads way. find yeah, our way. Exactly. <laughs> we love you very much. Love yep. you. This has been Finding Our Way, the official podcast of the band Waylon. Visit waylandtheband.com